we'll do the v video next week on uh, the debt reduction on uh, the building. And would you make it a point to pray with me and uh, to ask the Lord to show you what uh, he would like for you to give to help uh, reduce the debt and uh, pay off this building this year. And uh, would ask that you just ask the Lord to, to show you and guide you and and give as God leads you to give on that. And uh, I, I'm just excited to see what God has done in just four years, uh, what he's done with that debt. And uh, we get that paid for, and, and then we will start uh, working on the plans for the uh, new sanctuary and the classrooms. And uh, I just I look forward to the day when we have the sanctuary where and we will turn the kids loose and we'll tell them to go over to the to the gym and I'd love to see the day when this place is full of kids uh, for junior church. I just uh, want to continue to, to see God do something with the, with the children and with our families and it's amazing to watch what God is doing right now and uh, it does my heart well when we see the thank you cards that I put up on the bulletin over there that uh, so many people are are impacted by uh, our church family reaching out to them and, and helping them. And and I, I know that sometimes we, we can drop the ball, we're human, but uh, I am just so thankful for so many who are, are reaching out and, and you just continue to do that. And as God lays someone on your heart throughout the week, don't uh, just pass by that and not give any thought to that, but stop what you're doing because God obviously at that very moment has brought them to mind and pray for them and send them a word of encouragement either through a phone call or a text or uh, whatever you're doing and just let them know that you are thinking about them and, and praying for them. So important that they know that and uh, it can be so uplifting to them, and um, just your thoughtfulness uh, can go a long ways. Your thoughtfulness to me and my family has uh, uh, always so much been appreciated, and, and Sally, thank you again for that uh, wonderful gift this morning, and uh, uh, truly means a lot to me, and uh, just love our church family. It's been a great week, and this is a great way to start off the next week, and so Let's get into his word today and, and uh, find what he has for us. You can turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. First Corinthians chapter 2, we're going to do our best to look at the first 10 verses here today. And, and uh, it goes right along with the subject we've been dealing with, with the battle of the mind and I read this passage this uh, week in my devotions, and it was in one of my devotionals, and it's not in my regular reading schedule that I read this, but uh, it was brought up in one of my devotionals that I read, and, and I, uh, one of the verses was, and then I started reading through much of that and, and uh, developed a message because it was in that devotion and all the things that I read, it was this passage that was uh, just such a blessing to me this week and and I thought you know what this is this is something that I think our church family needs to hear today and and I pray that it can be a blessing to you like God used it in my life uh, this week one of the hardest things in 
uh, being a pastor and developing a message is, is being able to relay to you everything that God gives me uh, while I'm studying and preparing for a message. And, and so often you walk away and you think, Lord, I didn't do a very good job in, in uh, uh, explaining uh, all of the blessings that you gave me in that passage. But I pray that today that God will, will take this passage and the Holy Spirit will do, a, do a, a mighty work in your heart as we look at this. And uh, as we think about the battle for the mind and, and as we get into to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I just a brief history, I want you to know that the Corinthian church was very full of carnality. I mean, they were... They, uh, in, in, in other terms, they were a mess, and they had uh, allowed all kinds of things to uh, infiltrate into their church body, and, and uh, uh, really their, their church services did not represent uh, much of anything when it came to their worship of God. They were allowing things to happen that, that were atrocities, and, and Paul writes 1 Corinthians to correct them and to uh, reestablish some order in the church and, and to help them to uh, uh, get things right. And, and so the, the Corinthian church was dealing with what we deal with today with all of the immorality, so many different voices that were yelling at them. And, and uh, these voices were deceptive. They were uh, discouraging, disappointing, desperate, dogmatic, defiant, derogatory, dumbfounding i mean that they were just pounding the drums loudly and and when you think about it it's the same voices that that we hear today that are so loud and and causing such discouragement in people's lives and and the thing that we need to understand is that in all of those loud voices that are going on and all these distractions that we have around us there is one voice in all of those loud voices there is this quiet voice that is calm and peaceful and most powerful and god wrote in isaiah 64 in verse 4 he said for since the beginning of the world men have not heard nor perceived by the ear neither hath the eye seen o god beside thee what he hath prepared for him that waiteth for thee. You know, we, we, can, we can get so caught up in, in all of the craziness of the day, and there's a lot of it, and, and we can get caught up in, in, in the, the disappointing things that take place in our lives, and, and we can get caught up in the regrets, and we can get caught up in, in, in the, the shame and the, and the grief and the cruelty of the world, and and we can get so lost in that that those are the only voices that we hear. And, and I want you to know that as a child of God, there is a powerful voice that is telling you that there is something coming for you that the eye has never seen, that the ear has never heard, that your heart could never imagine how good it will be. And I'm not talking about living your best life now. I'm talking about something that God is, is, is willing to show us and to give us and help us through this day that is supernatural, that is God-given, and, 
and we need to stay focused on that still small voice that that God is telling us that he has things under control and don't be listening to all the distractions that are out there today. And so verses 1 through 5, quickly I want to get through these verses, but in chapter 2 of 1 Corinthians, Paul writing this, and, and you know what we see? We see a sincere messenger with a genuine message. <clears throat> Sometimes it's very difficult to understand or to, to, to be able to, to, to uh, discern is, is that person truly being sincere in, in who they are and, and what they are doing. And, and uh, it may take some time, and, and that's why it's so difficult to, to uh, discern that by someone that you watch on a screen all the time. You, you can... You, you can hear some good messages on, uh, on uh, your phone, and, and I've heard some, and Teresa and I listened to some as we traveled to Meeker and back Thursday and Friday, and, and, uh, but, but you also can hear some, and you, you wonder, you know, what, what is that person truly like, and it's hard to get to know someone through a screen, and, uh, and, uh, but here we see that Paul was one who truly did love the Corinthians, and uh, not only did he love them, but he showed them that he loved them, and and that and and we know personally they knew each other personally, and that he dedicated much time to them, and and so when he writes this, he writes out of love, he writes out of a personal relationship that he has with them, and and so they can understand that he is a sincere messenger with a genuine message, and he makes a declaration in verse one, and I brethren, when I came to you, so. He's talking to those that are in Corinth that do know Christ as their Savior. And, and we know that many of them were very carnal in their, uh, in their actions. And, and so here we, we need to understand that, that there may be some carnality like that even in our own church body today. And, and, and it doesn't mean that, that the messenger doesn't love you if they name something that's going on in your life that's wrong and it's not biblical it's not that I'm trying to be personal with you and give uh, and personally attack you. It's what the Scripture says. And you, you know what you find out? You find out that God's Word is truly confrontational with all of us and shows us that we have a lot of flaws in our lives. And, and when we are comparing ourselves to the perfect Word of God, it's pretty easy to understand that we all sin and come short of the glory of God. And so here he He's writing to believers, and, and he says, I came to you, and I came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom. This has the idea of, of uh, a speech that is of an intellect that is looking down upon you, and, and that they are of a superiority, and, and that, that you are, are, are less of importance to, uh, uh, in society. And, and, and I don't need to go into this a lot, but... That's why, as a pastor, that from day one, when people started, I, don't, I still don't know who it was that wrote the list of, of who was essential people in this country and who wasn't essential. I still haven't found who the author of that was and, and who determined that, but how ungodly and how satanic that is for people to think that there are certain people that are essential and certain people that aren't. And it still makes me angry to think that we, we could have such a judgmental, uh, arrogant hypocrisy that, 
would say that there are some who are essential and some aren't. Everyone is essential. Everyone is important. Everyone, Jesus Christ died for everyone. And it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter whether you're short or tall. It doesn't matter whether your skin is white, brown, black, or whatever color, that uh, red or, or, or pale or olive. Or, it doesn't matter. None of those things matter. Jesus Christ died for everyone. And we're all on equal ground. We're all in equal standing at the base of the cross. And so here he, he did not come to them to impress them or he didn't come to them making himself out to be something that he wasn't and we're all in this together. He didn't impress them with fancy speech or of, or of a, 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 a wisdom above theirs but he just declared unto you the testimony of God. That's what he wanted and his determination in verse 2, For I ter- determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He said, I, wasn't, I didn't come in there to argue with you over, uh, over the Scripture. I didn't come to you to, to, to uh, uh, waste my time on, uh, on, on uh, different aspects that, that truly doesn't matter. And uh, I, I love these guys that, that talk about the uh, supralapsarianism and the ultralapsarianism, and you're like, what are you talking about? I heard that at an elk camp of all places. I'm laying there in a tent and with three other preachers, and one of them brings up that, and they start yakking about it, and I'm like, um, what is that? I had no idea at the time, and people trying to impress us with all of these fancy words and trying to... to distract us from from the truth of God's word and and oh we want to be so intellectual in in the things that we know and impress people and 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 Paul said I came in here and the only thing that that I want to know about you is that you have trusted Jesus Christ as your savior and if you haven't I want to tell you about Jesus and I want you to know that you can lay everything out in front of God and and you can lay out your whole life in front of God and and you can humbly come to Him and, and call on Him to be your Savior. And He'll give you salvation freely. And, and, and it's freely given to you because it was of the most expensive price that was paid when Jesus went to that cross and died on that cross for the sins of mankind. And it's so simple and so very precious that He wants you to trust Him. And, and we're not going to, He said, I'm not going to come in here and argue with you over over silly things that do not matter. I'm telling you that you need to trust Jesus as your Savior. I'm telling you the same thing today. If you don't know Him, I pray that you trust Him as your Savior today. I'm not here to condemn you. I'm here to tell you that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And you want to go to the Father, it's only going to be through Jesus. And so you come to Jesus. And and He was determined to tell them about that. And we ought to be determined to tell that to everybody that we know. Anyone that we love, we ought to tell them about Jesus. He goes on in this description. He says, And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. You know, I, I've, I've preached through Corinthians a couple of times, and I pull out my notes, and I look at this, and it says, And I was with you in weakness. And, and I, I read cer- uh, several commentaries on, I'm, I'm thinking, what is, what, is, what is he talking about in, in this weakness? And, and I, and I do believe that part of this is Paul comes to them and, and he understands his weaknesses of the flesh and, 
and he understands that, that he messes up along the way. I understand it could be part of that, but I think it's far more than that. I think that uh, here we see a, a, the, the character of Paul, and, and that word weakness has the idea of, of being sick and, and, and having disease or disabilities. And, and we know that he had a disability. We know he had a problem, with a, uh, they think, with his eyesight. We but, but here, I think even more than that, I think that in his physical weaknesses, I think that there, we don't have all of this written down, but I believe there were times when Paul went in to talk to someone and he was sick as a dog. And he had maybe he had a migraine or maybe he was sick or maybe he had dysentery or I don't know what all the problems were in that time. But, but in, in all of those things, he never quit and he loved them and he went to them and he told them about Jesus. And, and in all of his frailties, he said, I still would come to you and tell you the truth and let you know that I love you and that Jesus loves you. You can't get that from a screen. You can't get that from a computer. You, you're only going to get that from looking each other in the eye and talking to each other. And, and, and this is for all young preachers that might listen to this to someday, that you're never going to win someone's trust until you stay in that church family and you go through the problems with them and you wade through the muck and you wade through the mire and you help people in their sin and you help them during their hardest of times and you deal with the, the insults that come and you, and you deal with the hardness that comes along the way and you go through it with them and you show them, I'm in this with, for the long run. So many preachers today, they'll come into a pulpit and as soon as there are problems, they bail out and they're gone. And then that church just expects every preacher after that to do the same thing and, and they never make it through anything. And, and here we see Paul's character even in weakness and in fear, a, a, a fear, a reverential fear to God that, Lord, I don't want to mess up and, and I don't want to do something wrong and, and I truly want to serve you and, and tell these people and then you can go over to Thessalonians and, and there it tells us that he even feared for his life. He thought he was going to die several times and, and so yes, there, there was a fear of, uh, of being killed and preaching the message but it didn't say he stopped. He kept doing what he was supposed to do. He didn't let fear become so overwhelming that, that he hid out and, 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 and zipped it up and never said anything anymore about Jesus. He kept doing what he was supposed to do. It's okay to have fear. Do not let fear, though, overwhelm you and dominate you and, and start directing what you do in life. When you have fear, it means you just got to have courage. And so remember, I quote it so often, John Wayne said that, that courage is when you're scared to death and you saddle up anyway. And that's exactly what you do. You get up and you trust him. And he was determined and he said, I came to you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. A quaking in fear of God. And he reminds me, he wrote in Philippians, he told the Philippians, he said, you need to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You need to be real about your salvation. Don't be lying to everybody that, yes, I know Jesus is my Savior, and you know in your heart that you've never called on Christ to be your Savior. Don't play the game. You, you need to 
work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You need to start looking at your life and, and you need to start asking the Lord to search your heart and search your mind and, and, and has there been a time where you, I, you may not remember the day or, or where, you know, everything about that situation, but I can tell you that you're going to know there was a time in your life where you humbled your heart and, and you called on Christ to be your Savior. If you don't have something like that, don't play a game. Get it right with God. And that is, you want to know that, that you are a child. And you know what the nice thing is, is when you are sincere about that, the Holy Spirit is in your heart and in your life and will constantly remind you that you are a child of God. Oh, the devil will try to bring up shame and try to bring up guilt in your life, but that's not God. He'll bring conviction in your life when you do things wrong, but he's not going to bring up shame. Those things are forgiven. Those things are under the blood. Those are at the foot of the Calvary and no longer to be remembered by Christ. And so we look to him and we walk with him and and we just serve him with a fear and a trembling that we don't want to mess up God. I, I want people to know that I'm a child of God and I want to serve him with everything that I have and everything that I am. And so then we go on and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. You see, during that time, they had great teachers and, and they would teach in the public squares and, and, and you could say, oh, I was, a, I, I was taught under the tutelage of so-and-so or over here of so-and-so and, and how great of a philosopher they were and, and how wonderful they were in teaching of the law and, and all of those things. And, and he says, I didn't come to you with all of the fancy intellect and try to impress you with all of that, but I came to you in demonstration of the spirit and of power. You know, the, the one thing that I pray and, and uh, one thing that always scares me is losing the power of God. I never want to lose that. I, I want to be able to stand up here in a, in a vessel that has been forgiven and broken and molded back by his hands, but one that is of a pure heart and one that is walking with God and one that has the very power of God upon his life so that whenever we preach that it's not me that you're hearing, but it's truly the leading and demonstration of the Holy Spirit of God working in your life. Don't make decisions based on whether you think I would be impressed with them. I am absolutely nothing, but God is everything. And know how we ought to look and make those decisions based on uh, uh, the working of the Holy Spirit and the demonstration of that spirit and power that your faith should not stand, here's the, the design, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Oh, I want you to know, for those of you who have uh, just lately trusted Christ as your Savior, I want you to know that the devil's going to get after you. He's going to go in and he's going to make you question a lot of things. And you, you know what faith is? Faith is just trusting and believing what God has said. God said that if you call upon him with that humble heart and that contrite spirit and, and you truly mean it in your heart and you call on him to save you, that you have, you have been born again and you have eternal life and you are kept by the very power of God. Don't ever let Satan get in your mind and, and mess with you on that. You've done that. You're settled. It's satisfied by God. The wrath has been taken care of and you have a home in heaven.
Never let the, the, the devil get in and cause all kinds of chaos in your, in your life. And, and, but you trust him and, and that, that you are following God and not men. Oh, so often we, we get all upset. And, and I've seen people um, who, who have told me that they were born again and somebody uh, does something wrong to them and they turn their back on everything. That's not genuine. That's not genuine at all. I mean, if I, if I quit the ministry every time somebody said something mean to me, I'd have been done a long time ago. And you guys, too, that have been so faithful for so many years, you're the same way. You know that. It's not about men. It's about God. My faith isn't in mankind. You're going to, you're going to disappoint me at times just like I'm going to disappoint you. But God never does. And so we look to him and we walk with him, and that's the design of our faith. But then we go on, and, and, and let's look at this in verses 6 through 10. We see the mystery message, and we see the messenger here in verse 6. Howbeit, we speak wisdom among them that are perfect. You know who are perfect? It's those that are walking in faith, those that are walking in obedience to the word. It doesn't mean the, the term, the, the world's term of perfection that isn't what he's talking about. He's just talking about someone whose faith is complete. And by that, the, the easiest way to understand that is, is that, that <clears throat> your talk talks and your walk talks. But your walk talks more than your talk talks. And so walk the talk. <laughs> that makes sense to you? Just make sure that what you're saying is backed up by what you're doing. And so here, we, 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 uh, that, that's being perfect and mature. You know, everybody says that, I, I hear this all the time in the world, well, Christians are such hypocrites. No, they're not. First of all, the world's a hypocrite, thinking that they're good enough to get to heaven without doing it God's way. That's arrogant. And, and, and that's a hypocrisy, thinking that you're good enough to stand in the front of a perfect God, a holy, just, righteous God, and think that you're going to get somewhere. That's hypocrisy. True believers are ones that walk in their lives, and, and, and you know what they do? They call out sin in their life, and they confess it to God, and they get it right. And you know what they do is they talk to their brothers and sisters, and they say, Hey, you know what? I had struggled with that too, but you really got to get it right in your life and, and to have the blessings of God in your life. You're going to have to do better in that. And, and you help each other to go along the way. That's not being a hypocrite by calling out someone and holding them, uh, holding them accountable. You see, the world just wants to compare themselves to you and say, man, I'm, I'm just as good as they are. Yeah, he is. He really is. We're, we're all, we are left to ourselves, nothing but miserable. But ours are forgiven. You know how we want them to have the same, right? And so here he goes on, Howbeit we speak wisdom among them that are perfect, yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of this world that come to naught. I find that to be very gratifying. You know who the princes are? The politicians. Yeah, it is. It's our government leaders today. It was their leaders of that day, and, and you see the problem is, is that 
so many today in our leadership all over the country is that they do not have a clue what the wisdom of God is about. It really ought to be our job to tell them and witness to them also and, and hope that they would stop in their arrogancy and come to a point where they too would humble themselves and trust Christ as their Savior because until that day comes, then you know what, you know what he's saying? The wisdom that they have is going to pass away. Those that stand that way are going to come and go. They're not going to make any kind of an impact that's going to last for any eternity at all. And it comes and it goes. Let us not be a messenger that just gives out the world's wisdom. Let us be a messenger that shares the perfect, eternal, powerful word of God to those around us. Verse 7, but we speak, and here's the message, verses 7 and 8, but we speak the wisdom of God. In a mystery. See, the world, it, it is a mystery to them, even the hidden wisdom. And, and you see, God has even done that too. There, there are those scholars who have read through the Bible and, and they read it for scholarly reasons and usually to refute Christianity. And, and they truly do not know and understand the theme and the meaning of, of God's word whatsoever. And it's still a mystery to them. Do you know that redemption is even a mystery to the angels today. I mean, the angels are a created being, but Christ didn't die for the angels. And those angels still look at the mystery of redemption, and, and, and in their thoughts, they're wondering why in the world or how in the world our perfect God who we worship and give honor and glory to, why is it that he is doing that for mankind? It's amazing, isn't it? Peter writes about that. And so here, the world doesn't understand this, which God ordained before the world unto our glory. God chose his wisdom before creation, and we speak his wisdom for our glorification. By that, I see that God glorifies us when we are glorifying him and speaking his word. It's our responsibility. We ought to tell people about Jesus. We ought to tell him about what, how good it is for holy and righteous living in our lives and have the peace that, that only God gives. And, and we ought to be telling them that this message that we have, this isn't man thought up. This is a heavenly message, and, and it isn't understood by the world. It's concealed by God himself. And, and you know what we need to do? We need to love people enough that not only do we give out the message, but we ought to love them enough that we are praying for them to truly understand what the Word of God says. You know, sometimes we might give the, the gospel to someone that we really can't stand, but you, you don't want to have guilt. And so, okay, God, here, you give them the gospel, and then you walk away from them. And you know what you ought to do? You ought to love them enough. Not only do you give them the gospel, but then you, you pray for them. And you really mean it, and you pray for them. And honor and glorify God and and you know what's amazing there is going to come a day when it tells us that in heaven that Jesus is going to serve us that's glorification that's amazing what our God will do for us is truly humbling and sometimes it's even saddening when I think of how I fail him 
And he still is going to do these things. It says in verse 8, which none of the princes of this world knew, for had they known it, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. Oh, if they had only known and opened their eyes and understood who Jesus is, they wouldn't have done what they did. But then verses 9 and 10, these are the verses. These are the verses that God gave me this week. And I mean, it, it was a, I want you to know this is a challenging week, okay? We, we go Tuesday, and we went Tuesday, and Teresa had to have an upper GI scope, and, and, and you know, they find some things there that uh, looks like is going to be able to be fixed with, with medication. Praise the Lord for that. But, you know, that's a little bit distracting. Um, as a pastor, you just deal with all kinds of stuff, all right? And I'm one of those guys, first thing my mind goes to is everything. But don't ever get on the Internet and, and look up, what is it, WebMD or whatever. Don't do that. Ever. And so, so that, was a, that was kind of a challenge along the way. And, and, and uh, heart was burdened. You know, I, I, I helped somebody out Monday who had, had uh, to go out of town to bury a loved one. You know, so that's heavy on your mind. You have the heaviness of, of Wes and his grandmother had passed and knowing they're traveling and praying for their safety and, and, and knowing that Trey's grandma at the time was in bad shape. And Tony will be praying for your family too, losing your grandma. And, and, and you know, I mean, there's the weight of those things. And, and, and uh, then uh, uh, we're thinking that um, Tuesday that Matt was going to have surgery also and we, they go into the hospital and, oh, no, this is just a consultation. You probably won't have operation for another three or four weeks. And so that kind of lights you up a little bit. I know most people are calm about those things, but uh, if I could have choked somebody through the, the phone, I would have. And so, but, you know, you have those things going on, and, and there's the challenge of, of uh, all of those things that, that uh, God's doing and, and, and then... You sit down, and, and I think it was on a Wednesday morning that I read this, these two verses, and it was just overwhelming. It was just something to be so thankful for, and it was just like God was sitting there right there with me and said, Shannon, you need to listen to what I'm telling you, and you need to get past all of the weight of all the things that are going on you need to listen to what I'm telling you. But as it is written, I hath not seen. I've seen some pretty things. I, I'm not a world traveler. I, 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 I would love to if I had a private jet. So, I... I, I I hate those contraptions that you set in. They, I should sue every airline because nobody makes them big enough for your shoulders. None of them make them enough for legroom. And so there I sit like I'm driving a Yugo. And, and, uh, but not a world traveler, but I've seen much of America and seen some beautiful things. I, I put a, a picture on my screen on my computer today of a, of a mountain stream that I took a picture of that when Tyler and I were elk hunting one time. And, you know, we, we go into some backwoods places sometimes, and you just want to think that 
And I know it's probably not true, but you just want to think, I'm the only person that's ever seen this. And, and see it like this and take that picture. And, and, and there are some beautiful things. And, and we have seen some gorgeous uh, sunrises, sunsets here. Beautiful rainbows that God, yesterday was a gorgeous rainbow. But nothing that we have seen will compare to what God has for us. He goes on and he tells us, he says, nor ear heard. The glorious message of the gospel is as beautiful of anything that we will ever know that Jesus Christ will save you if you'll call on him. How beautiful is the gospel and knowing that we can have our sins forgiven and knowing that we have eternal life and and we are going to hear something that the ear has never heard. neither have entered into the heart of man. God can give us something that, that stirs up the very soul of us that nothing in this world can ever give. Nothing comparable to anything that we know. And you know what I think, too? I think that we can have that now. That we don't have to wait until we get to heaven to have all of this. That I believe that we can have this now. The things which God hath prepared for them that love him. I wrote some things down that we have. Genuine truth. Genuine peace. Forgiveness. Restoration. Love. Joy, assurance, direction, belonging, provision, empowerment, a completeness, knowing that he has taken away all my shame, guilt, and he can even take away my grief. He pulls us out of the miry clay. He sets our feet upon a rock. He gives us a new song that we can sing. Because we know that he's prepared us a mansion. And we have a robe of glorious white waiting for us in a great city. Where he'll wipe away all of our tears. There will be no anxiety. There will be no fear. There will be no worries. There will be no sorrow. The gloriousness of our Savior. Boy, how good is that? How good is that? But God hath revealed them unto us by His Spirit. All those things that I mentioned, you know where He's revealed that? Right in His Word. Right in His Word, He reveals all of those things to us, and the Holy Spirit ministers to our heart. And for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. You know what the great thing is about God? You tell God and you truly mean it in your heart, God, I want to know more about you. And God says, okay, okay. I'll let you see more of who I am. And the closer you get to God, you know what you find? You find, you find out more about yourself. And truly you find out how undeserving you are because you find out more about God and who he is and how gracious 
and kind and glorious he is. I am so thankful that he gave us that verse. I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of men the things that God hath prepared for them that love him. Truly thankful. In the middle of all the chaos, in the middle of a crazy world, we have our Savior who loves us and gives us things that we can't even imagine. Let us look to him. Let us trust him. Let us walk with him. Let us find the glorious truths that he has given us right here that will meet the very need that you have right now. What keeps you from that unbelief? Stop today. Call on him to be your savior. And if you know him as your savior, then walk with him. And find the promises and the power that he wants to display in your life. And find the preciousness of a wonderful relationship, fellowship that he wants you to have. Father, I thank you. I thank you for all that you do for us. And thank you, Lord, that the blessings that you reveal to us are, are supernatural. They come from heaven. They come from you. There is nothing in this world that can compare to what you give us. Lord, we're all undeserving, but because of your grace, you give them to us, and we thank you. And so, Father, take our vessels and use us, Lord, to continue to share the glorious message and tell others about Jesus and tell them about how good it is to walk in knowing that you have control of things and we can just be at peace and truly find com contentment in you. Lord, whatever is working and stirring in the hearts of each one today, I pray that they would just dismiss all of those voices and listen to what you have for them today. And I pray, Father, that when they walk out of here today that they're relationship is secure in the blood of Christ, that their fellowship is sweet with what you would have them to be with today. And Lord, I ask that you do a work in our hearts. If there's something that we need to get rid of today, Lord, help us now. Right now, as we're sitting there in the chair, that right now they would just cast that out and pray to you, confess it, and get it right with you and walk away. Walk away from it and have the liberty and the freedom that you would want them to have. God, I pray you do a work in the hearts today. Pray that you will be honored and glorified in any decision that might be made. Father, you will guide and direct us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 541, if you need a hymnal, only trust him. Hope that's where your trust is today. And if not, let's settle it today. Just settle it today. Let's move forward and be what it is that God wants us to be. Let's all stand as we sing, only trust him.
Remember that invitation never closes. You need to see me after service. Uh, call this week. Come by. Be happy to uh, help in any way uh, that I can. And a couple other things. Steve, so good to see you. Didn't know you were going to be in town, but all the way from Toke, Alaska to be in service today. God bless you, brother. Glad you're here. And Rod and Faye, why are you sitting over there? You never sit over there. I'm preaching, and I see you over there. I'm like, what are they? Then my mind gets all lost, you know? And so, but uh, I'm glad you're here. Just don't sit over there. You're not supposed to be over there. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's just good to see everybody out today. Hope you have a great day, and come back tonight. Thane's preaching tonight. We'll be observing the Lord's Supper tonight, and uh, it's just a great, uh, I, I love Sunday night. Some of you might ask, what is a Sunday night service? Well, Sunday night, we come together. It's family. We, we uh, kids are here with us, and everybody is here together with us, and we, we uh, sing, and, and we share testimonies of things that God's doing in our lives, and, and uh, we uh, have a preaching time, and just great time. It's just a family atmosphere, and, and uh, truly a blessing. So if you can come, you come and be a part of that, and just remember to pray for one another. A lot of things going on uh, this week, and so you pray for one another and uh, ask God to be honored and glorified in all that's going on. God bless you guys, and have a great day.